Welcome to my basement, everybody. Sam Miskovich, our old friend from Ars Technica, is back. We've got lots to talk about today, uh, especially regarding Ubisoft. Both Sam and myself were able to get some hands-on time with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion, so we're going to dig into that. Uh, but first of all, Sam, how are you doing, buddy? Everything good? You know, I'm holding up okay. Uh, there's actual sunlight here in Seattle, Washington today, so uh, I'm enjoying it. We've had a, a weird summer. I don't know what it's like up there in British Columbia, whether you've had the same sort of extended spring, but I mean, it, the weather is nice right now just as I start playing a lot of long video games. Yeah, I mean, that's been weird because, you know, we're going to be talking about Ghosts of Tsushima as well, you and I, and that has been keeping me inside, inside with this beautiful scenery. Um, and I haven't been outside enough, and it has been sort of scattershot in terms of it being nice out there. So I feel a little bit better when it's pouring rain and I'm playing a video game. But yeah, it's a, it is weird. Time is just inconsequential right now. Uh, but yeah. let's talk about uh, Ubisoft. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on with Ubisoft, um, and Ubisoft chose not to address this in their admittedly consumer-facing video program yesterday. Um, they decided to uh, just focus on the product and focus on the games, and we'll talk about those. But what are your thoughts on on the departures, the resignations, the firings, the uh, you know people being put on probation? Basically, a lot of eyes on UB right now. Yeah, what's interesting uh, from my perspective is that I don't necessarily dive into the game studio investigations that you might see some other reporters in the industry do. Sometimes that yeah. hits my desk, especially when it hits that sort of uh, major, major executive leaving a company. Kind of that. That's when a lot of us start to perk our eyes, eyes open. Uh, so when it comes to Ubisoft, who had its big Ubisoft forward event uh, this past weekend, uh, some people might have seen some news pop up the day before and go, wow, that's out of the blue. But if you dig, really, you don't have to even dig very far. There's so many people connected to Ubisoft who have been a loud growing chorus of saying there have been a problems for years. Uh, yeah. And there's been it, it, the, the, the sh I don't have all of the notes in front of me, so I can't do it justice because there's a lot of messed up sounding allegations and these uh, resignations seem to confirm at least some of that severity but essentially uh it sounds like it's a a workplace that has sustained abuse that there has been yeah. this sort of culture of toxic masculinity and i use that phrase as like a really nice way of describing how messed up some of these allegations are it's pretty gross but there's also the issue then that people went to the place you go in a giant international company human relations hr and hr was in its own mechanism that uh in, in, according to these allegations just didn't do anything as allegation after allegation report after report came in for dating back there's one of them uh that was uh you know, physical and arguably sexual assault on uh, a, a, a a senior man to a woman uh, in 2014 like yeah. that's where we're only hearing about that now I, and I, I think there was actually one ex ubisoft person who went on to twitter and said you know it's kind of interesting what happens after four months away from an office culture where people are finally all starting to message each other privately and start talking out this stuff that has been swept under the the rug so uh ultimately the issue I could go on and on. I think one of the craziest things is that one of the accused people in some of these allegations, uh, his wife was part of the HR machine. Uh, yeah. And so people couldn't said that, you know, how do you go to HR and report this to, to that their their spouse, uh, which is just I, I, 
the the, the ultimate thing is that the, everything reached ahead because a follow-up report, like some of the stuff hit on July 1st, and there's a French outlet, Liberation, I don't know if I should pronounce that different for French, but uh, Liberation yeah. had an expose on July 1st, and another one on, I want to say, July 10th, uh, and the July 10th one said, it's even worse. Now that these reports yeah. are out, HR is doubling down. And one of the allegations was that at an HR, at a meeting, a major HR executive said, uh, CEO, please uh, say something in our defense. Please publicly defend our HR or organization or we are going to quit. I'm going to leave and take half of my team with me. That is what the allegation said. And uh, the CEO did not respond by... Uh, clearing that HR department's name instead said the chief of global PR uh, of HR. I keep mixing this up. I'm so sorry. The chief of global HR was among the three resignations, including also the CCO who Jason Schreier from Bloomberg describes as the like ultimate creative force, the person who had a hand in nearly every single game from a directorial or curatorial curatorial perspective uh, was implicated in this July 10th report in terms of awful stuff. And so then Ubisoft says, and I know I'm kind of going along because there's so much here to try and sum up. But Ubisoft, well, and I haven't really talked about this at all yet, Sam. And it it, it is unbelievable. And uh, the thing that's tough for me is I know a bunch of these guys, and uh, I've gotten to know them over the years. Some of them, like uh, Yanis Malat, who it was the CEO or he was the president of the Canadian studios, I've known for a long time. Like I, I'm, the first time I met him, he was uh, a producer on Rayman for the Game Boy Color, and. Uh, um, he uh, was let go because of all of this stuff that's been going on under his watch. And I don't know, you know, where he fits into all of this stuff, but it's, it's, uh, I, I've been really, I, I've been feeling really ill about this. I have to be honest because I know a lot of these people and I just can't believe the, you know, the stories and the treatment that uh, these people have been, uh, um, at least accused of uh, doing uh, to other people. And frankly, I, I, I believe the accusers. I feel like, or the accused, I feel, or the accusers, because I feel like, why would they come forward with this stuff? You know, what are, what are they going to benefit from? You know, yeah, they've already I, gone through the pain and the hurt and the, it's, it's unbelievable and it's so awful and clearly things have to change. Yeah, I have, I, I'll just, say very very vaguely that i have a, a good friend who went through a situation years ago of choosing to be one of the sole accusers in a story uh in a technology company i'm not going to specify whether games or what and what ends up happening is a relitigation for the rest of that person's life this sort yeah. of thing people don't come out with these accusations hoping to get a quick buck or a book deal or something like that this is this no. is about going wow i am taking it is so bad i am taking the calculated risk for my own sanity and life and career to speak truth to power um and i mean but one of the reasons these stories don't come out i think one of the allegations just boils my blood that there was uh i believe it was the cco who went up to uh one of the women at the workplace kind of pressed his body against her and it became an office meme as in the other men around instead of saying no that's bad or uh, acting in any they way all, in sympathy they all did it yeah. they all started to make that a meme a constant sort of thing where it was like the the joke of pressing against that person and that's that's what happens in these toxic workplaces where the person at the top is setting the tone and everyone else is covering their own butts and and they covered their own butts by oppressing someone else it's just, ugh it's just so 
it, it was kind of crappy that UB didn't address any of this stuff in the UB Forward yesterday. I think a lot of us uh, that cover this medium, uh, we want to see change take effect because frankly, we've all decided to cover this medium because we're huge fans of it and we love it. And what's our core motivation? We want more people to love it and we want more people to experience how awesome video games are and stories like this. And honestly, some of the, uh, you know, the leadership in the games industry is constantly blocking off access to this medium by letting things like this propagate, you know, and, and, and continue. Yeah, I think I'll say before we move into talking about the games, because obviously there are p talented people and diverse teams that are working on these games. And some people from Ubisoft said, let's at least celebrate this toil. The, a lot of the like Watchdogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla are from big international teams who a lot of people. Yeah. But for the case of this not being addressed, this was not a case of, oh, it happened on July 10th. We have we don't have any time. The, this, these reports have been going back for years. One of the big reports happened on July 1st, and the company's response was not, hey, you know what? Ubisoft Forward would be, would be a great opportunity to talk about that July 1st story, and we have two weeks to plan it. Their response was doubling down on the toxic behavior. And so, yeah, we you, people like you and me are going to devote an entire 10-minute block to saying, hey, you guys really messed this up. Yeah, and it's not just for Ubisoft and its employees, which is the you know the first part you know port of concern there, first part of concern. It's for the greater industry as a whole. I mean, this is a leadership company. It's a, a corporation that I really love and admire and uh, respect. I've known people at Ubisoft for more than twenty years. You know, back in, in early days of EP, we had UB Montreal people come and visit us at our studio to tell us about this new Playmobil game that they were starting and this massive studio that they wanted to build out in uh, Quebec. And, I, you know, I've known teams and creative people all the way along, and I have so much love and respect for those folks. But it also is incumbent on a studio and a company and a, a corporation in the size of Ubisoft to kind of lead by example and show the rest of the industry that's the kinds of steps that you need to take to make it more inviting, man. Like all, all the this sort of moving away from addressing this fully and completely for the public to understand and for the employees of Ubisoft to get behind is doing is projecting the message to, to people that uh, uh, already feel sensitive about coming into games in any way or have predisposition or pre-existing ideas about what video games are and the audience that likes video games is, um, that's just further cementing their denial of ever jumping on board. And that's well, that's a major failing of this industry. We keep doing that. Like, invite people in, let people play, stop you know, vilifying people and stop, uh, you know, raising people up that they've got their priorities all out of whack and they become abusers. It's well, incredible. it's all it's also the, the sense of I, I want to segue into Watch Dogs Legion because this is a game that, like other Watch Dogs games, is set on this idea of a vague revolution, anti-corporate and anti-corruption. Uh, you're a hacker collective that's going to speak truth to power by using simple everyday devices. You are armed with a smartphone. You are you are armed with a smartphone and a sense of rebellion. But you as a company put that out there and that may say to kids, hey, this is we're, we're taking steps towards talking about real issues in games. And uh, and then you look at the company that's completely behind those. Like, how much do I really buy it? I, one of the comments mm. uh, at Ars Technica 
about Watch Dogs Legion was where's the mission where you go in and expose all of the HR records for a giant technology <laughs> company? Uh, it's like because th and that's the thing is like Ubisoft. You know, there's a developer out there, an indie developer that's working on that right now. I, I would I would love to see how many because this has been going back years. How many Easter eggs are there in all of these open world games? Like you just glitch through a little bit of geometry and maybe there's an uh, an fu notice to to a boss yeah. or a manager inside of one of these. So it's like right. Ubisoft has right. to put it's open world money where it's open world mouth is. If they want us right. to believe in that rebellious attitude and caring about honor and morals, then, well, I mean, although also there are games where you just run over people in a car over and over with no with impunity. So, I mean, where do we really go there? <laughs> there, there is uh, definitely a sense, uh, you know, from the interview piece that we saw with Clint Hawking that, uh, you know, there's some heaviness to the messaging and and uh, the morality that's kind of portrayed within the game, which actually I, I, I appreciated and enjoyed when I was playing it. But they definitely want to project that this is just a video game and everybody just have some fun and some lightness. And honestly, it does work in that capacity. And uh, were this a different day and a different age, it would be easy to shut out the noise and just appreciate this game for its fun. Because yep. I was actually way more impressed by Watch Dogs Legion than I expected to be, you know? Well, let's, let's, I want to back up just because uh, the Ubisoft Ford event essentially had four games. We had yep. Watch Dogs Legion, which is coming in October, and that's going to be yep. for current gen, Stadia, and PC with a next gen hook with like a free upgrade. Then we've yep. got Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming one month later, current gen consoles, Stadia, PC with a upgrade free hook through next gen. And then there's Hyperspace, which is the battle royale that launched in a closed beta um, uh, last yes, month. Right. Oh, okay. It's the open beta yesterday, but it's been they started out as this sort of watch on Twitch and you can get a drop and be part of the closed beta. That's been operating. Right. And then Far Cry 6, which uh, we'll, we'll get to that, but that just showed up as uh, a trailer and a special edition. You can buy the special edition before you see any gameplay, <laughs> which is just so Ubisoft. And it's got well, it's got a flamethrower in the thing. Like you can get a replica <laughs> flamethrower. Doesn't work is what it says, but come on. Uh, before they even show you like the, how the game looks in action. What kind of a message is that about the video game industry in general? That th you already know what this game is going to be. Here's the special edition. Here's the, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is in this. If, it's going to be great. And anybody, I love that guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's probably, that, that whole sequence was wonderful, but I could watch that as a TV series. Tell me how it's going to be as a game is my feeling. But so right. that was kind of what they put out. And then it ended with, oh yeah, we have another event coming up. We got another Ubisoft forward. So don't, don't, uh, give us any criticism for games that you thought were going to be here that weren't like gods and monsters which leaked uh last month as a stadia prototype or yeah. beyond good and evil 2 which might appear one day okay well the the big three obviously um were the new far cry and valhalla and watchdogs we're going to talk about valhalla and watchdogs a little bit more but uh, let's get into far cry 6 here it was leaked before the show um excited that uh, giancarlo esposito was in this you know, Far Cry games have had really good villains and or at least interesting, weird, twisted ones like that's sort of been the gimmick for a long time is that Far Cry wants you to chase after uh, a charismatic creep. Uh, and, you know, that they, they had a trailer that really said that that would happen and have it in a time and a place. Um, does that mean that uh, this is it's set in Cuba? Am I correct? Look like it. 
yeah. it's probably a fictional, you know, because they don't want to get any up, uprising or you know, stop like by the, the game. The, the last Far Cry tried and, in my opinion, failed to do something with this sort of American cult, like middle of America, anti-government, but not really specific as to why kind of thing. And maybe going to a completely non-American country will make a company like Ubisoft more comfortable making some bold statements about specific political regimes. And I don't think they do that, man. I think I think they get they edge up. I think you're right. I actually really liked Far Cry Five because of the stuff that it made you think about. But it, yes, it could have gone deeper uh, for sure. But um, certainly, all of the influence that went into making uh, Far Cry Five was on display. But in terms of where it went, messaging wise, and the you know the sort of prepper fears that uh, it was trying to ally and try to get, sort of instill in us. Um, I think we're somewhat effective, but it could have gone deeper for sure. And, and it, well, I think it stems from being too overtly political and and being concerned about cutting off uh, some of the market, I guess, and pissing people off, right? And the reason I even focused on that is because we don't have gameplay. So are we just, yeah. you know, that's the thing we can think about. Like, where do we take this in terms of political messaging, in terms of uh, Cuba's or that that sort of part of the world, that, that sort of just south of the United States Caribbean. island world? Like, where... Yeah. Where do you go with that plot-wise? I can't speak to that. I could. I, I can't think of very many games that that dive specifically into the Caribbean in a way that's got a political fire to it. So I, that to I, me could be an interesting differentiation. But I don't trust Ubisoft to actually takes the bold steps that I would like to see. I I don't know if I'm alone in this, but when I saw the kid, I was immediately reminded of Voss. Michael Mando's character from three. And I don't know if anybody else is hinting at this or if this, this may be a prequel or maybe like the story of Voss, the, you know, the character sort of coming into his own. I don't know, but that's the first thing that came into my mind. And of course, Mando and uh, Giancarlo Esposito have been working together on um, uh, Better Call Saul. And uh, I don't know. So I just started to put that together. But there's a lot that we don't know about this game, except we know that you can get a... Um, uh, Replica flamethrower. <laughs> uh, but I, I like Far Cry as a series. They always end up becoming incredibly addictive and fun, even if they're familiar, even if the uh, routine you know, starts to set in. Um, they're still really quite enjoyable. Do, I don't um, remember. Did they say, is it going to be current gen and next gen? Did they say? Uh, I I don't I can't recall. Either. I feel sure like they said though. current gen, and you know I would love for that to be Ubisoft's first big bold. We're breaking away from the older consoles kind of construct. It takes a year though, man. It usually takes like it'll be you know fall twenty twenty one before people. Right. But that would get that, that would get me more excited without seeing gameplay. Without right. uh, without that, I'm like, okay, well, show me what you got. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, that should be par for the course for every game consumer out there, right? They should not buy the collector's editions based on a two-minute trailer. That's probably pretty I good advice. Dude, that's you could give that up. is a controversial stance. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that hundred twenty dollars is just asking to be spent. Come on, man. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk about uh, because we have that, that three huge open worlds, and UB keeps making these massive open world experiences. The game that surprised me the most to play um, was actually Watchdog Legions. Now, Legion. Now, I enjoyed playing it at E3 last year, but it felt um, uh, you could feel it still coming together. 
this felt much more polished and we we had this weird thing last week a bunch of uh, critics in the in the industry where we got to remote play so we remote logged in to computers running Watch Dogs Legion and uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and um, it actually worked out pretty well I mean there was some dithering and some resolution hits that you take from the streaming but it it actually on my end here in Vancouver, it actually worked out pretty well. How did it work out for you? Yeah, it worked fine over here. I, I Although I found it funny that even though these are games that are leveraged for Stadia, that they didn't uh, opt to use Stadia. Maybe that leak from a month ago made them change their mind on which platform they have early access to. They had us log in through something called Parsec. And you can just, as a average fan, use Parsec to connect your computer to friends and play local multiplayer. Uh, pretend that you're doing local multiplayer. Uh, because you're sharing the same session and things like that, but it worked. It worked fine. It was clear. They also sent us hard drives, uh, some of us, of what was captured, which we like at Ars Technica, so we can show people what that looked like. And I'll say, uh, Watchdogs Legion uh, was running on. They were. It was an Intel Xeon, like crazy multi-core processor with an RTX 2080 Ti, 64 gigs of RAM. Uh, wasn't quite to 60 frames a second. And you're like, man. I know, I know it's pre-release software. They've got optimization to go, but I'm like, you know, you can't buy a more expensive computer than that. You got to get to 60. But it, Watch Dogs Legion uh, is a pretty giant London. Uh, I haven't played an open world London like this. I want to say, you know, was it the getaway? Sony's had yeah, some, that's what I was some thinking of looks too. at London, but this was full on most of London. Now, I'm not a London expert. I can't like... I've been there twice, so I can't tell you exactly how pitch perfect it is, but it's a giant chunk of the city corridor. It feels like London. That's the thing that surprised me the most is how much they um, painted London really, really well. You know, yeah. the uh, uh, definitely the landmarks, but also the graffiti and the the, uh, the different ethnicities and the, the sort of street culture. And the, uh, but then they also kind of augmented everything with, um, the, you know, the drones and the, the sort of neon pipe lighting. So it's a fusion of uh, almost the medieval kind of sensibility of London and the sort of modern architecture. And then this cyberpunk kind of wash across everything. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, there's a good neon treatment to the otherwise cobblestone nature of London. And, to, and there's it, it's fun to get on a scooter and go just literally through a street market and have people dash out of the way. Uh, and, and there's just a lot of that smaller city infrastructure mixed in with the big stuff. I am more critical about this game than you were, I think. Uh, so yeah. I just want to get the nice things out of the way first. I will also say there's a lot of electric cars and I haven't played an open world game that has this sort of Tesla style uh, instant torque and tires that are like ferociously gripping onto the road that I got in Watch Dogs Legion. And I really enjoyed that sense of when you're in the open world and you want to steal a car, it's a Waymo. It's an automatic taxi that has yeah. no one in it. So you just get in and you just use your phone and boop and you're now I, the driver and i liked that me too i like and i like not only that but they do also have the sort of muscly classic british uh automobiles not you know direct coopers or, or other brands you've heard of but the sort of the knockoffs but you can get into a thick muscly car and really rev up the the gasoline and get that sort of chunky feel so both of those kind of driving models are there and there's a lot of driving in watchdogs legion because you're going around the big city and going from checkpoint to checkpoint uh, so having both of those kind of driving models felt good. Plus, you can, you know, get on boats, ride boats around. 
There's a lot of water and, in London. So that's and, nice. And drones. And you have you can, all of your little pocket devices and things like that as well. Don't forget can... the cargo drone that you can just surf <laughs> on, man. I saw that in the preview before. And I'm like, yeah, I got to see how this. And that's great. It's really nice to be able to just uh, hoverboard your way on what's essentially a stolen Amazon product. So I always appreciate that. So that <laughs> stuff was really good. Now, Watch Dogs 2, I thought, did enough to set itself apart and sort of deliver on the vision of Watch Dogs 1. It, it yeah. was pretty focused uh, because Watch Dogs 1 had sold itself with like a crazy trailer and then it came out it was like, eh, it's kind of janky and it's fine. And Watch Dogs 2, I thought, really executed on that vision by saying you could do certain things and you're going to do them over and over and it will feel good in terms of being able to hack things remotely and take multiple paths into a mission and use security cameras and drones and things like that to mix it up. So my issue here is this time they upped the stakes by saying you can be anyone. You can recruit yeah. anybody. And indeed, it works as advertised. Every single person in the game, and this makes sense uh, to some extent because all these game, all the characters are sort of the same people that, you know, their animations are generally the same. And so from a pure mechanical perspective, it's interesting that you can recruit whomever and they each have certain abilities. You don't have a skill tree. You don't take your own character and build up and build up and build up until you suddenly go, okay, now I can hack certain stuff. It's about, oh, no, no, I need to go find that hacker who can do that specific thing. Oh, I need someone with that outfit or with that allegiance or uh, maybe it's a bad guy. That's I need that, or they they can be a lawyer that can get us out of prison quicker because that's right. what happens when you get caught as one of these uh, operatives of DeadSec is they get they basically go away for a little while right. and then you they come back into your posse. Mm -hmm. um, so you had a problem. You had a problem with it. So my issue was as I was playing this because they gave us a lot of time. So normally at yeah. E3, someone like you or me, we get you know an hour tops with one of these giant games. This was I had about four hours, and what wound up happening because this was sort of just wide open. This was not a limited chunk. It was like here's yep. a bunch of the game, uh, kind of fast forwarded maybe. And, I don't know. And no one time. guiding us in that one. I, I yeah. had a little bit more guidance in Assassin's Creed but not really in Watch Dogs. Right. It was so just they, basically go off and explore. And I think that's something I could say is a good thing about it is that they did let us roam freely and there was a lot of world to go through. But my issue was when it wasn't a guided mission that was scripted, most of these people who I were, was recruiting had a lot of the same missions over and over. Because the idea mm -hmm. is, oh, cool, I need to recruit someone. I need that spe special skill set. But the actual slog is about a 20-minute mission chain for every single new person where you're sort of going to a random building that looks the same as the last one infiltrating taking taking a thing and getting out there's just a lot of the mission structure felt repetitive because every single character has to be able to talk and that means most of their dialogue is boring most of their dialogue is generic quirky copy pasteable uh, right. kind of rebellious and kind of a lot of cuss words if you like cussing this is your game there's a lot of F-bombs. I was playing um, darts and I just had the angriest couple behind me just swearing up. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get some darts in the right. board here. And you know, so what, just, and, calm down, everyone. So on first blush, I think that's sort of the attitude and humor is great. But after a while, I just thought everyone's disposable. Every single yeah. person. And not only that, there were missions where you can cheese them by it'll go, okay, you got the cart, you got the intel, you you hacked the thing and you got the, th you, got, you, you got to get out. You could just die. And then your next dead sec person will spawn on the outside of the mission and they'll say, you beat the mission. 
Yeah. And and then that, conversely, that was weird. I did happen for me. Yeah. And then conversely, there was another one in which my guy died, but that's not why I failed the mission. I failed the mission because the van I was in just spontaneously combusted, and my rep on the line was like, "Yeah, that's a bug." But that meant that whole three-part series, that 25 minutes of recruiting one DeadSec member, was toast. That mission was yeah. done, and I had to go back and recruit somebody else who had the same skill set and do another 25 minutes of very similar but not entirely identical gameplay. You got to think the bug testing on this game is going to be ridiculous. Well, um, because they much- have opened it up quite a bit. You know, I mean, I know that there's repetition in the missions and there's repetition in the character types, um, and you can see the 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 ambition and the scope is larger than what is achievable but i i do also think it's a pretty massive experience but one of the things that that has you know bugged me a little bit about watchdogs is it's over reliance on everything is hackable like we're all just so super connected all the time and there doesn't seem to be enough um you know diversity in sort of attacking things like it's all about sort of hacking into cameras and um hacking into servers and things like it feels like it's and you just see even in terms of the hud you just see all these lines all over the screen just pointing to everything that you can interact with and i i i get that that's a compelling hook and a a, a sort of a, a a pillar of watchdogs but it's also a bit crutchy as well. And and it's it's a little exhausting that well, that's the, what everything the, is reliant on. After about four hours, you do start to feel worn down because the actual interactions you have are pretty simple. You don't have a lot of hacking. There are lines pointing everywhere, but you're kind of doing the same thing. You yes. are. Uh, okay, I'm looking at a camera and that's changing my perspective. Okay, now I'm zapping a guy's pocket so that he's stunned. Now I'm moving over there. And it's a lot of sort of temporary uh, mini attacks. And then when you have actual hand-to-hand combat, it stinks. The game has a new melee system, which is either punch, grapple, or block. Problem is, Mm. grapple is used when an enemy appears to be blocking, but it just didn't work. It kept on not grappling, and it just didn't feel... It was like they were trying to do Batman Arkham Light, and it just didn't feel good. And then I would pull back and just instantly shoot a gun. It was like that scene in Blazing Saddles, where the guy's like... or I can't remember which of the Mel Brooks movies it is, where there's like a person whipping around, doing a whole bunch of stuff, and the guy just comes in and shoots. It was just... (laughs) And that's... There's a lot of moments in the game where it's like you see the game doing all the whipping around of a sword, and And then just, just walk end up in, in a gunfight. Yeah. Or you just tap one button and that's it. And it's like, now, so what I mean is there's a lot of ambition and there's a lot of them attempting to ramp up what Watchtogs 2 did well. And I think yeah. some of that falls apart because it's just a whole lot to chain together to try to make a game that's enjoyably goofy. And and what you're saying about the, the concept, like, you can't make this game be completely serious. It just doesn't work. Like you can just run five feet and all of a sudden the cameras that are everywhere don't see you and you've succeeded the mission. Like, are yeah. we in a complete totalitarian cameras everywhere state? Or are you a super, it's, there's just a lot of the stuff that doesn't add up plot wise, which is fine. It doesn't have to, but the game also takes itself real seriously at times in terms of its message again about yeah. anti cameras everywhere. So it's like, there's, it's and, just a and big job. UB has always looked at this as the answer to Grand Theft Auto, and it's never been as good as Grand Theft Auto. And I feel like stacking the features is, you know, fun for gameplay and sort of giving, you know, ratcheting up the things to do. But in terms of it being a statement of quality and a statement of um, real competitive 
value next to something as proven as the Grand Theft series, maybe the idea should have been because they they aesthetically achieve it. It looks incredible. There's a lot of really fantastic mechanics and and um, you know an interweave of uh, you know environmental narrative that is really successful. But I think you're bang on. Like all of these different colorful characters, which have up to this game been just uh, you know bios on phones that we've been able to hack into. Now we actually manipulate those people they are so disposable and we aren't really connected to any individual character and you know that going in and that might be a major problem now we are playing this game still months before it's finished and polished and tuned and i suspect that there are some great su surprises in store for us and i honestly i lean more on the positive side i actually had a good time playing this game and it did surprise me more but that has been my my issue with watchdogs in general is that the characters and and um i don't know the story just doesn't resonate with the same degree of success and i think the thing the thing is rockstar. is when you think about rockstar they're very good at going here's your protagonist and here are the people that come and go from their life that you do or don't connect with and you there are these relationships and when you're playing a game for this many hours and you're doing repetitive fun kind of brainless stuff over and over something's got to take you the whole way along and right. sometimes it's not going to be okay you hijacked another like we don't complain about grand theft auto being repetitive even though it is just like we don't complain yeah. about petrus being repetitive even though it is you've got to have something yeah. that really carries you through doing the same thing over and over so the question is will watchdogs legion have an overarching plot that connects all of these disposable copy and paste dialogue characters or will all of the other gameplay stuff be so awesome that it doesn't matter I, I don't know. It's just an ambitious juggle and we're in a preview position of going, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think though I I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, which is okay. Yes. Yes. But um, there's a lot of open world stuff, you know. And we have another open is. world adventure to talk uh, yeah. about. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, same setup. We played it uh, probably on super powerful. I didn't, I didn't check the specs. It was the it same is. sort of spec. They were using the same kind of computer. So RTX 2080 Ti. And man, nice. you know, I think Watch Dogs 2 looks good, but boy, does Assassin's Creed Valhalla look good. Like that's, sure that it is, does. it was, my footage that I got captured was weirdly blurry. I don't know if they messed up on the capture, but even then uh, I was able to watch, I, I just want to say the tech they have in terms of building their entire foliage world, lighting models and volumetric clouds. Wow. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I I, I have to say, because this is a kind of game where you're going to climb at the top of a tower and look around at the world at a lot of different locations, and they have to be proud of the whole engine tech that's building this. I think it's way beyond the best stuff in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, this is which a whole was, new level. Which was also an incredible looking game as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you can feel, um, uh, I, I don't know, the confidence of this game. Like, it's just a, a perfect fit for this franchise just being a viking in this world um just makes a tremendous amount of sense it's just a you know they were a, 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 you know a civilization of real power and uh, real majesty and real really cool mythology and um it's just it's easy to think about ourselves as game players in the boots of a viking warrior and assassin's creed i think um taps into that quite well man like it, it's almost it's kind of uh 
great that it's taken this long for Assassin's Creed to get to Vikings. You are getting gonna... to you're getting to my refutation because you're getting yeah. to the point where I'm going to slam everything you just said down to the ground. Assassin's okay. Creed has been going to so many different countries uh, while also finding its new identity. This is yeah. no longer Ezio uh, climbing and sneaking and having kind of this sense of tension and oh am i going to get caught to make up for some of the meh combat combat was fine in older assassin's creed games but never it was never like batman arkham which was sort of no. here at the time it was um, it was stealth more it was, it's always been a stealth experience and i don't know about your experience but i didn't in my three and a half hours with the game I didn't have a single moment where I said, you know what? Stealth makes more sense for what's been presented. It was raids. <laughs> it was all of my uh, fellow Viking comrades shouting. There was no like, Shh. you know, everyone's just like, ah, and, and mixed with that is the fact that they go, okay, it's not necessarily about sneaking. It's about building your legacy as an RPG style character. And that's what they've been building toward for some time. Uh, right. You know, Odyssey and Origins were definitely all building up that like, okay, yeah. not only the stats you're building up, but sort of the board of people that you're killing off, you know, its own sort of nemesis system along the way. Then, and so I call this, you know, the Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed witcherization, because that beautiful mm. world you cannot look at as you're hopping on a horse and T taking charge and drinking heavy and mingling with other, you know, vague Western European uh, early medieval ages kinds of people without thinking about uh, Geralt of, of Rivia. And uh, and that's a tough comparison uh, in some ways, because I don't know how you feel about that sort of Witcher comparison, but I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla gets some stuff right and stuff some stuff not so right, at least this far in a preview build. I, well, I feel like we basically saw an inch of the game, you know, and knowing what we know of previous Assassin's Creed titles, they just go on and on almost to their detriment with all kinds of side missions. And uh, it just keeps laying on so much stuff. And I feel like we basically did like two or three missions with some side exploration and stuff. It wasn't long. Um, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the combat. I enjoyed the character. I enjoyed that there were uh, some interesting choices, um, you know, presented even within this early stuff that we got. Um, I I think this is going to be a massive and super enjoyable experience. But um, yes, it definitely doesn't hew to the you know the core uh, history of Assassin's Creed. It feels almost like Black Flag, and to some degree Origins, like they could have been brand new franchises that Ubisoft was right, building up. Right. I don't Although, think that's a problem. I don't know if you got to the part that we're not supposed to talk about, but I got to a part we're not supposed to talk about, which yeah. to me, and I'm bummed out because I was like, that that was actually really interesting. Uh, there was a one thing that sort of ties into, you can kind of, it doesn't take much to figure out what it's tying into in terms of Assassin's Creed as a series, but there was one little blip yeah. that made, oh, they did this different than in other games. I liked that. Um, but I will say this, the combat for me was rough. I had, I struggled to appreciate the abilities in terms of crowd control because this is a crowd battling game you are always fighting a bunch of people while also having a bunch of allies and i struggled and maybe this is a thing that becomes more fluent if you play through the course of the game but i struggled with finding the right use of, of special abilities you get special abilities both for melee and ranged and they recharge as you successfully block and successfully hit things uh and i struggled to find ones that really made me feel 
feel like I was clearing the crowd in a really fun way. I, uh, and you know, this could be due to the glitchiness of an unfinished game, but there was a lot of times where I was wanting to dodge one enemy, but I was stuck in an animation dealing with another one, and then also being bumped into by my own allies. That's ambitious. And when that stuff works right, you're like, oh my God, I'm in the middle of an amazing full-on raid. Yes. But I kept running into the technology problems of that because that's, that is ambitious and it doesn't always work. So, well, you, and I think- you, you know where we're at though, Sam. I, this is a game that's been basically, this has been propped up for us to be able to kind of see where this is going to go and right. um i i think they've made some tremendous strides with both origins and odyssey in terms of combat and they've shifted a lot of the focus to uh, uh you know a really successful and enjoyable melee experience and i think that they're trying to go to another level here and i think what we got is the ai uh working in these crowds to a certain degree but they've got time to tune it and polish it and make it feel a lot better it doesn't help that we've also been playing ghost of tsushima in final form and i know both you and i have been coming off of that and playing this and we can't talk about ghost in this just just thing. but look at this face because that's a game yeah. that's coming out in a few months <laughs> and this is the face that's about to talk about a game that's coming out this week um, yes. So what I want to say in that focus is that stuff could get fixed. There is room for that. And clearly they are building towards something. And it's my job and my opinion to say, listen, uh, we've I've been to so many preview events and I have seen a lot of the times that the thing four months before launch is pretty much the game. But, you know, yeah. they could prove us wrong. We'll find out. But what I will say that really surprised me was I enjoyed the sense that this might be a very Shenmue-like game. That was the line I used in my Ars Technica piece because mm. I kind of enjoyed the little bits of world building that weren't full-on battling. There were little errands for kids that were these sweet sort of conversations. There was having a drinking game that had a surprising like rhythm element and balance element. It was like rubbing <laughs> my... It was like doing this combo here uh there was and it gets harder as you play which i thought right, right. was fantastic yeah there I was love, there were some that. visual perspective puzzles where you had to match uh, a shape to the world and that forced you to go into the environment in an interesting way there was a karn stacking where you had to stack rocks in a certain way which also puts you into the world in an interesting way there was a rhyme battle where i faced off against a, a a poet and had to not only match the rhyme but also the meter of what that person had said in my responses and i don't know if that's just it and they just showed us that stuff and that's really it just those things repeating no. but i like the idea that this it just felt more shenmui in terms of like oh you live in this world oh you interact in these small ways because i enjoyed those conversational beats a lot more than the primary plot thrust of this which was raid a town uh, get the king back, help him with a wedding. I just, you know, I all the Witcher comparison stuff really hit me hard because the the generic uh, protagonist of Valhalla, of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, is solid. Ivor. Yeah. But but Ivor ain't Geralt and Geralt. I always say his name wrong. Um, there's and that's that comparison point is going to keep coming up. And oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think they could have bowled us over with more edge or more specific like. Ugh, that's who this character is instead of like i'm a generic not, drinking badass but you know the whole deal with these games right like it's it's to progress to that that you know those final chapters and then you have become that person we're in the origin story and we were in the or like the origin of the origin story in, in our playthrough i have you know great respect for the assassin's creed world builders and the storytellers they don't always work 
I think the biggest challenge that Assassins has always had is that there's just been too many of them. There's too many of them made, and there's too many good ones to point at and say, well, it's not Assassin's Creed 2 or it's not Black Flag. This is the Black Flag team, and they did an incredible job with that. They did an incredible job with Origins. Um, I, you know, I I think that they're... I, I have high hopes. I think this is going to be a, one of the best Assassin's Creed experiences. The challenge, though, of saying that is that it's very crowded, you know, and there are lots of other open world experiences, some of them like, uh, you know, the, the Witcher that now we can point to and compare this directly with. And the thing that lingers in my head as we think about this in a preview form is how will this scale to a old PlayStation 4 and an old Xbox? If right. like what we played on a high-end computer, it looked beautiful. How much of that stuff is going to work? Is it going to be blurry? Is it going to be slow? Is it going to be chunky? The Assassin's Creed games are technologically demanding and I've got a nice computer, so I'm good. But uh, I wonder, uh, it was it was struggling just a little bit at this point in four months to polish up this much beauty and scale it to older consoles is a question I think fans uh, deserve to ask. Well, we're going to talk about a game that's on an older console in a, a couple of days here. Um, which people, Ghost of Tsushima, people have already seen screenshots and video from. It's absolutely freaking beautiful. Um, and I think the Assassin teams at Quebec and Montreal and all of the world studios that have worked on these Assassin's games for their Origins and Odyssey have done some phenomenal work. And there's nothing uh, suggesting to me about Valhalla uh, that I think that they're going to hit some pretty high bar uh, you know, visuals on Xbox One, especially Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro. I think they're going to look great. Um, but what I'm more interested in is what really the targets that they're going to hit with PS5 and, and Xbox Series X. And we don't really know that yet. I mean, my, my sense, honestly, is what you and I played is the next-gen build, is the high-end PC build. And it's that on it's, the super... Yeah, except it, I ran think, at nine, it ran at 1920, right? Like, they recorded yeah, at 1920. Right, yeah. And, and I think, I honestly, my guess is they're going to scale down. I don't think that they're playing us on the nicest computer possible and getting us excited with the lesser version. Uh, and it's not going to... I don't think it's going to be a ray-tracing game because I didn't see a lot of... It's going to be about... Like, Watch Dogs 2 actually has more of a ray-tracing tracing model built in sure, uh, and yeah. digital foundry has a really nice video about that because they for whatever reason were given access to their ray tracing build which i didn't get and so i hate right. them a little bit but uh, <laughs> but you know we'll, we'll we'll see i do think that they're going to get to 60 frames a second on next gen and that's going to be killer and uh, i hope so I, at least i hope they do okay well let's uh let's wrap up our conversation on ub forward uh what would you give the presentation out of 10 Ooh. The presentation, it, it was weird. They dragged on and on. I think Watch Dogs 2 presented very well. I think they wanted very Legion. much. Watch Dogs Legion, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. They really wanted to nail that sense of switch from character to character together. And they sold it in a way that was not similar to my experience of more of the repetition. So I love they, that animation that they, that they did. Alberto Moriello or something like that. The, uh, the, uh, the One of the production designers of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, did witness for... Uh, uh, sex, love, and robots, or, or something like that. Fantastic work, yeah. though. I love that animation. That was awesome. I, well, I'm the kind who's like, just give me gameplay. That's I'm, yeah. I'm how I feel. However good that is, I'm like, that's not gameplay. Just give me gameplay. So, I think this was a weird Ubisoft event because 
of the what we were talking about at the beginning of the show hanging over and kind of it ended i think a lot of us were like wait there's some games missing and they're like oh no those are coming at another event we're like what what they didn't, i don't think they set expectations for this being a multi-part like ubisoft forward i no i don't think anyone thought of it as nintendo direct where we get one of these every couple of months so that yeah. to me is the biggest knock on it but in terms of the games that you and i talked about they looked good they looked better as presented than my experience so that's a good grade for them i suppose yeah so what what would you do, give it out of 10 6.5 <laughs> okay that's good uh it was weird that eve ended with we've got more we've got more coming so stay tuned for another ubisoft forward ubisoft forward 2 um ubisoft forward yeah, there were three games that really kind of caught my attention, and that was Far Cry, which was just a trailer, and you, uh, Watch Dogs and, and Valhalla. Um, and the rest of the stuff, cool, you know, for the communities that love all of that stuff, it's 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 great. Also, I, you know, no just Siege dance. is a great story. The, yeah. How, how did we get how do we get through the month of July without Ubisoft trotting out a bunch of really awkward dancers? Like that's like know. that's the thing I think I miss the most about E3. It's just walking down the hall and just seeing a crowd that just has no interest in just dance being asked to come up and dance so they can get a free t-shirt. Yeah, and um I guess they they thought of the uh like how they would do that in Zoom. You know, with a bunch of windows, <laughs> everybody's oh in a different, a different window dancing away. I, I really um, hope that happens in the next Ubisoft forward. I I give them a seven, and um, I really did enjoy being able to play both of those open world games. So my my hopes are high for uh, Legion and for Valhalla, and for all the nitpicking I had. And it's my job to nitpick because, like we you know let's see what we get in the end but they did really let us roam free those games are big they're ambitious they are playable like i could go through and have a decent time it's just a crowded open world world as you said absolutely and dude i honestly i really liked the um the streaming hands-on you know like if this ends up becoming a regular thing for us it was very cool to be able to be in my game space and just sit back and play these games as if they were released today and just jump in and feel what these games were like, not in some kind of controlled setting, you know? And I, I, I kind of hope that the industry kind of picks up on this and, and it's adapted going forward. I think that's, uh, uh, or adopted going forward. I think that's a nice way to present these, these titles, you know, let, let us kind of enjoy them in our own space. Right. If, if if you as a fan hear us say we played these games for three and a half hours and they didn't completely fall apart. Hey, you know, for a game that's not out yet, that's pretty decent. Absolutely. All right. Sam Miskovich from Ars Technica, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back soon with some new content, everybody. Please join us when we do. And please go ahead and like and share this video. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. Play forever.